egotistical, so unpredictable, here on SNL Stats. Yes, that is right. It is hard to believe, but we are finally here at the finale of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the series finale. I cannot believe that we've made it through the final 10 episodes of season eight. It just feels like we have been waiting forever for this final season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and, you know, episode after episode talking about what we're going to see this season. And it all came together tonight. And I'm so excited to break it down with our panel we have for our finale coverage. Joining us, he, he joined us at the beginning and he's joining us at the end of the season once more to bookend this thing it's bill kenny bill how are you i'm doing well john thanks for having me back uh boy so much to unpack with this hour of uh quality television yeah i know we're all chomping at the bit to get to it so we're <laughs> gonna get to it in just a few minutes i just want to make sure that we introduce everybody uh joining us he also joined us for the first episode uh bookending our coverage of brooklyn 99 it is roy richardson jr roy how are you I'm doing great. I'm excited to break down the episode. I got some stuff I want to talk about. Yeah, I can't. I cannot wait. So we'll get right to it. And joining us for the first time in our Brooklyn Nine Nine coverage, he joins us all the time to talk about Saturday Night Live. I'm so excited to have Mr. Andrew Haynes join us. Andrew, how are you? I am so excited. This episode honestly was better than I could have imagined. I won't start shelling out opinions yet, but I'm really happy uh, to be here. It feels kind of funny to just come in for the finale and not have, uh, you know, gotten to talk, uh, you know, face to face with everybody a little bit more throughout this process. But there's a lot to talk about here. So very excited. Yeah, for sure. Well, Haynes, just give us the very quick breakdown of your history with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Is it a show you've always watched? Like, how much do you love the show compared to other sitcoms? Just give us the quick version. I have spoken at length about how I like super fast paced jokes. I like them coming as quickly as possible. So Brooklyn Nine-Nine is 100% my type of show. Uh, you know, 30 Rock, I see as kind of the gold standard for that. And uh, I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you know, is, is getting really close to, you know, hitting that same mark. Um, so I had kind of an on-off relationship. I started uh, watching, um, you know, when it first came on, uh, fell off for a few years, a couple of years ago, went back and kind of binged through most of it, um, you know, fell off, had to catch up on the last season before this one started. So I've been very uh, just riding the wave uh, for a few years. And um, but this was a fantastic, uh, fantastic season and, and an even better finale. Yeah, I mean, uh, let, let's talk through it, guys. I know this is what we want to do. We want to all talk through what we saw tonight. And this is the way this discussion will go. Well, you know, we'll give our thoughts on the finale. We'll just, you know, have a, you know, unorganized discussion about everything we love to have seen tonight. We'll talk about what Brooklyn Nine-Nine will be remembered for overall as a show. And then we'll kind of get into the nitty gritty details of what we saw in, I guess, episodes nine and 10, but it was really all one episode. So I, I didn't know that that's the way that it was going to go down. But uh, that's totally great because, uh, Bill, I'll start with you. Uh, I don't know about you, but like, I've seen a lot of bad sitcom finales in the last you know 10 years probably um this is one of the best ones i've ever seen do you agree absolutely i i would put it up there just off the top of my head with the office um parks and rec scrubs if you don't include season nine just end at season eight as most fans do um yeah it's definitely top five in the last you know 15 20 years as far as sitcoms go it it gave us the fan service that we so desperately needed that we weren't 
I didn't feel we were getting most of the season other than Doug Judy. Um, and I, I was mentioning to you guys uh, beforehand, I had to tear up my notes. Uh, you know, I had all these thoughts on how the season was going. And, you know, my first notes were no Pimento, no Gina, no heist. What the hell is going on? What are you doing to us, Dan Gore? And I'm sorry. <laughs> so yeah, he, he delivered in the end and uh, it, it was just a perfect, perfect ending to a fantastic eight seasons. Yeah, it, it was very like, I think Seinfeld was probably the originator of something like this, where you basically had a final episode where you're going to bring in people from the history of the show. Um, I compare it to, uh, it's almost like, you know, the two of the greatest sitcoms of all time. You have the Seinfeld finale, you have the Friends finale, where Friends actually chose not to go in that direction. Friends just continued the story in a way that they felt would culminate for the six main characters. But here we actually had people coming in from the outside and doing all the things we've been asking for, uh, you know, and, and really this felt like more in that that direction. Roy, what were your overall thoughts that you got to see tonight in our finale oh, of Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Oh, I loved it. All like all my favorite characters had their moments. Rosa is a is a favorite. I love Rosa. So seeing her her story play out, I loved her moment with Gina at the end there. I loved their their conversation. But Pimento came back. I was so excited when I saw Pimento. As soon as he came on in the motorcycle, I was like, oh, it better be Pimento. So excited! Gina came back. Uh, we got Hitchcock back. I it was it was pretty much everything I could have asked for from the finale. Um, yeah, I had a great time. I just loved it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was just enthralled with it, minute after minute when things just kept happening. Haynes, what about you? Well, it, Bill, you said it. It was fan service to the max. You know, they just gave us everything we we could have asked for. Um, John, I had the exact same thought. You know, thinking about uh, the comparison to Seinfeld, um, hopefully this will be better received than that finale was. Uh, to be fair, I think that uh, a lot of that reception probably came from people that weren't maybe super into Seinfeld at the time. It was kind of this huge event in the world. You know, there's that famous picture of everyone in New York standing around watching the, you know, the, the finale on the on the in Times Square and um, people you know, it's notoriously hated upon, uh, that, that, uh, final episode. But, um, but I, I think a lot of people are really missing the mark there. This did the same thing. It was amazing. Uh, you know, like you were saying, Roy, you mentioned Gina, really the only things that I desperately wanted were, uh, to have Gina come back and to see the tattoo and to get them both like within five seconds of each other, it was it was almost too much for me to handle. It hit me real hard. Um, so this was a fantastic episode, top to bottom. Um, a lot of things to be excited about. Yeah, we have our, our friend Haskell in the chat. He says, almost every sitcom finale has a I only wish blank showed up moment. Nine-Nine said, no way we're doing that. So <laughs> we definitely got to see everybody we wanted to see tonight. And this is what I want to do. I want to ask the panel, you know, obviously the choice was made to you know, hold off on everything for the the final episode. Basically, we had, you know, storylines that went down, important storylines that we saw throughout different episodes. We had the Doug Judy stuff, but really throughout eight episodes, and I know it's different on a binge watch afterwards versus watching it in the real time, but I, I guess my question really is, is, you know, when the creators of the show come together and write this final season, they're not necessarily writing it for the people who are binging, right? They're writing it for the people who are watching it live. That's my assumption, unless I'm I'm like living in 10 years ago. And if you are watching it live, we basically had four weeks where we were asking like, what's going to happen? And now we're finally happy 
Is it worth it? Is it worth it to go four weeks of us waiting for this moment? Bill, I'll start with you. Uh, definitely. Uh, the anxiety of waiting for something, anything to happen. And, you know, it was already, in in my opinion, it was kind of an up and down season to begin with. They couldn't really pick a lane and, and all credit to them trying to find the serious lane, but then they would immediately go to the extreme silliness, like game of boils. And so it, it felt like it, they have to give us this finale. They have to give us something. And they didn't waste one second going right into heist day. First thing they say with, uh, you know, Jake jumping up in everyone's bed. So I, I think it was worth it uh, as a fan who's never missed an episode. I, I think that it was worth waiting the four weeks to see what they were going to do. And, and I should have had more faith in them after all this time and knowing Mike sure is part of the show and, and he put together, he was part of the office finale and, and things like that. So I, I'm I, well done. Yeah. Roy, what about you? Do you agree that it was worth waiting those weeks to get what we got tonight? Or should we have gotten like little sprinkles of this stuff throughout the first four weeks of the final season? Um, I personally like the fact that it, it, I think, I think the weight made it better um, because I think it was, you know, telling the rest of the telling as many stories as they can without taking away from this big impact of like, but this is it. Like you're not going to get too many new stories of, of Jake and, and Boyle. So I liked seeing their side stories and seeing Amy and Jake's stories throughout the season. Cause you know, I think it would have been nice to definitely have like maybe one or two, uh, you know, some, like, something during the season. But I will say after going through the whole season without having anything to just immediately off jump, just get just moment after moment after moment, it just was like it It paid off. Uh, like for me personally, it just like as I was watching the episode, I was like, this is it. I was like, this is a this is a great finale. I feel like with comedies, they don't typically always land that, you know, land that. But if you're watching it, the, like, I the whole time was like, oh, that's the thing from first season. Like, oh, they're going up. They're going to the, uh, uh, at the end of the heist, they're going to the to the storages. That's where they were in the first episode. Like, so it, it was just nice to finally have all those fan service moments. And it all serviced the story so well that I didn't mind it. Uh, having the rest of the season just kind of be its own thing. It's kind of nice. Okay, and Haynes, I'll, I'll, I'll run it by you. What is your opinion? Should they have sprinkled some of this stuff that we got to see in the finale throughout the entire final season, or was it best served for the finale? No, it was absolutely best served for the finale. Um, I think it's exactly the way you do it. It makes the finale the finale. You know, if we drag this stuff out throughout the season, well, that's fine, but we but they're all separated into these little moments. And now what? Do you have to go back and watch an entire season to really have that nostalgic moment that encapsulates everything? Um, no, this makes a finale a finale. So I love it all being shoved into one thing. And it allows the rest of the season to you know, truly stand as just part of the story and not some extended finale. So I think on multiple levels, absolutely, this is the right way to go. Loved it. 
Yeah, definitely. And if you go, uh, so sorry, our friend Joe in the chat, Joe Blovins, uh, he said, uh, I think having the finale be a heist was a great decision because it kept the finale from being too sad and sentimental. And I agree, Joe. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm totally like, you know, we're doing these podcasts every week. I'm totally with it with regards to promo for the finale. I remember talking to uh, Hallie, our intern who's backstage during the week, and I said, okay, let's try and find a, de a description for the finale that I can send the panelists. We got nothing. And I did not know there was going to be a heist. And I'm so happy I didn't know about it because right away I was like, Stefan, I was like, this episode has everything and it just kept going and going. So <laughs> I'm so excited to break it down. Um, guys, I know we said we were going to talk about, you know, how Brooklyn Line 9 would be remembered as a show. Maybe we'll, you know, just based on this discussion that we're having right now, we're so excited to talk about the moments in these episodes. Let's do that first. And then let's wrap things up at the end with how Brooklyn Nine Nine will be remembered as a show. So this is what we've been doing every single week. I'm going to read out storylines, things that happen in the episodes. You guys jump in wherever. Tell me what you want to talk about as we go, okay? So we started off. We get our final heist right away. We find out it's, you know, it's Holt and Amy's last day at the precinct. We're going to find out who the grand champion of the 9-9 is. And it also turns out it is Jake's last day as well because he decides that, you know, that he doesn't, he wants to move on from being at the 99. He wants to go take care of Mac. So this is his way of saying goodbye to everybody. And I don't know about you guys. I thought it was nice that within this whole concept of a heist, it was just every character's way of trying to say goodbye to their friends. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, definitely. And and I could relate to that. Uh, as soon as he said that, it, it, it gave me all the feels because I, I actually left my career when my daughter was born. And that was a hard decision. I left my dream job and and it was the best decision I ever made. So to watch a character on a television show that you love so much to go ahead and do the same thing, it, it was really moving to me. I, I really liked how they had I put that in there and it didn't just make it about well, I'm gonna go work with Rosa now or I'm gonna go, you know, start my own PI business. It was about taking care of his kid and he knew it was the right decision and uh, that that was perfect to me. Bill, that's incredible. What what job did you leave uh, when your daughter was born? I, I was in baseball at the time. I eventually made my way back when she went to school. But yeah, for the first five years, I, I was home with her. So Okay, that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Any, uh, Roy, uh, Haynes, any of you guys want to jump in on this? Well, first of all, I, you know, I love hearing the story about Bill. You know, I love getting to know. The, <laughs> yeah, the, tell, tell us more. We we love to we love to get to know the characters. You know, in our life, uh, you know, and 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 sure. we're all kind of characters. Uh, you know, on this little thing we do together, and uh, so it's mm -hmm. it's great to hear that. That's a that's a nice story, Bill. I um, you know, I, I loved you know just the very opening. Uh, that Holt was in their shower. Um, that was a really <laughs> that was a really great uh, moment. Um. And, 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 and I do love the idea that, you know, they made, they, yeah, it was kind of everyone wanting to say their goodbye um, because we know that that's all, you know, that's what the whole audience felt. And now, you know, the, all the characters are feeling the same way as audience and we're all, it's, you know, we're all kind of saying goodbye together, but maybe my favorite part of the whole episode and this whole shebang, you know, aside from just the great jokes along the way, I absolutely love the fact that it didn't really end. You know, the very final scene is them being like, no, we're back here every year. We're still going to be in this office. Like we're still connected. We're still family. We're still having this family reunion that we call a heist every year. I love that we can, you know, they're riding off into the sunset, but, but they're, but not, 
really, you know, they'll, they'll all be back and they're all still together. And in this, you know, great world, all these relationships that we love are still c- carrying on in some sort of way, you know, uh, in, you know, beyond the pale. So uh, I love that aspect of it. I just, I love this opening. Um, I will say my favorite bit of this uh, was when Jake goes, and then we're going to end it at the Brooklyn Bridge. And she goes, ah, well, is that a shared moment between us? And as soon as he said Brooklyn Bridge, I was like, come on, is he going to really do like the the opening, like slow-mo walk? That, and they showed it. It got the biggest laugh out of me of the entire episode. It was so funny. Can I jump in? Because this was uh, a moment that really caught me as well. Because, yeah, so he goes, yeah, you know, of course, we're at, we're at the Brooklyn Bridge. And then it shows that shot. Um, you know, they, like they have a promo image that's out where they're all standing on the Brooklyn Bridge, like where you can walk in the, and the bikers right by. Uh, that shot where they showed them is not under the Brooklyn Bridge. That's the Manhattan Bridge. Um, or some other metal bridge that looks very similar to the Manhattan Bridge. That ain't the Brooklyn Bridge. Like you just look at that image. It's it's not the stone that that goes down to the water that the Brooklyn Bridge is made of. It's metal. So that to me was very funny, and I'm very confused by why they would do that because that has never been the Brooklyn Bridge, and it never will be. <laughs> and that that was amazing to me. I mean, this this was such a meta episode as we're going to get into. But like that was it, Roy said it. That was one of my favorite moments of the entire episode um cutting to that scene and and what did he say uh you know and i don't know why we were walking so slow we were going for euros or something like that like (laughs) but bill he says um the the intro was filmed while they were getting falafel falafels i'm sorry yes yeah (laughs) so yeah Yeah, just just, uh, you know (laughs) yeah i thought that was amazing uh it was just so good so uh basically the heist starts off and this was just so great uh he brings out a bag of dirty old teeth for them to all pick through i thought this was so funny um and just uh jake basically he's picking partners for the heist for everybody and he has this big plan and he's trying to figure it all out um but we see that he has planned this out with Amy from like the typical heist fashion. He he's planned out with Amy how he's going to be doing the heist, and he picks partners. He's going to end up with Boyle. Uh, Amy's going to end up with Rosa. We have uh, Holt's going to end up with with Scully and Hitchcock, I guess. Um, and Terry is not going to be part of the heist, and that's how things really start off at the beginning. Um, we also find out that Jake uh, reached out to Bruce Willis's people. Um, and Bruce Wells' people said they will not engage with this, which I thought was very, very funny because how many weeks have our panelists said Bruce Willis is going to show up in the finale and he never did. I just thought that was so great. Oh, that would have been, that would have been it. Honestly, that would have, if Bruce, if he would have showed up for just a second, just like in the background with a cone of ice cream or something, it would have been fantastic. Uh, No complaints for the entire episode, but that would have been pretty cool. And that that yeah. five seconds would have cost five million, so that's probably why they couldn't swing that. But <laughs> it would have been great for sure. <laughs> yeah. So we get our we get our clues for the heist. So we got to find out that the first one is under their chair. Uh, they get uh, a clue that uh, some uh, like a former employee that I guess is gone too soon. It turns out it's the vending machine that uh, that broke earlier in the series. They go into the vending machine. Uh, Rosa breaks into the vending machine with an axe, and they find out that they have to go see uh, their cannibal friend. And Haynes, here we go. We get a Tim Meadows appearance. That must have been exciting for you. I was so excited. I love Tim Meadows so much. I, I, you're right. You 
are absolutely right. I absolutely love Tim Meadows and I love that moment so much. It was so great to see him come back. I hadn't, I really did not even think about that. Um, I, I, you know, Pimento crossed my mind. Uh, Tim Meadows did not. I don't know if his character has a name. They call him Cannibal Guy in this episode. I remember they called him Cannibal Guy. Maybe he's got a real name. It's Caleb John Ghosh. Caleb John Ghosh. All right. Um, well, he's a fantastic character. And so, yes, it was amazing seeing him again, um, even just for a few brief moments. Yeah, definitely by far one of the most underrated cast members in the history of Saturday Night Live. He is so funny and just as kills it in this. I know he did like an episode of The Office very early in its run and just he's so good on any sitcom. So I, I was just so thrilled to see him. his character acting, you know, especially as a, as a comedian is unbelievable. Yeah, and his, so good. his needlework was superb. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, so Cannibal Guy sends them off to Wunch's grave, where we find out that every single week Holt comes and puts new balloons on her grave. So he's <laughs> it's like, so, some places you pay for flowers, Holt comes and he puts balloons on the grave. I'm I'm here for the Wunch burns. I love. I love roasts. I've, you know, I've said many times, not that I talk about my death that often, but I've said I want my funeral to be a roast. I would really love that. I absolutely love roasts. And, uh, and, and to hear Holt in roast mode is just, you know, top class for me. I abs- I'm absolutely here for the Wunch burns. Love them. I have expected to see the ghost of, of Wunch kind of floating around and only talking to Holt. <laughs> so I was going to say the same thing. Did you guys also think that they were actually going to dig up her body and she was still going to be alive? <laughs> I didn't think um, that. That did not cross my mind. <laughs> I know it's like, it's, it's like a little bit too science fiction for them, but I just felt like they would probably do. Uh, I just thought we would see her as well. Um, but we get a note uh, from the grave that says to go back to the precinct where we have the police lineup and we have that very famous Brooklyn Nine-Nine moment where we talk about uh, people singing I Want It That Way, uh, my one of my all-time favorite songs. So I love that moment. And uh, they're singing uh, Working at the Car Wash, which was so funny. <laughs> And, and and then Jake, I mean, another meta moment right there. He says, you know, we I keep trying to recreate it. I have to stop. Now on to our eighth heist. <laughs> Such a great line. <laughs> it's so great. Well, the uh, I guess the cleaning uh, guy comes and he actually wipes away the last clue. So they have a problem. They don't know how to find the last clue. And Terry is the one who set this all up. But Terry is out interviewing to become the captain of the 9-9. Uh, so he thinks. And Jake calls Terry. And uh, Terry's phone, I guess, is on speaker uh, in his butt pockets. <laughs> and you just have uh, Jake being like, Terry, 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 during his interview. And Answer your butt uh, answer your butt answer. <laughs> um so uh so terry gives the clue and that's you know that's all we really get to see and terry's uh terry's very apologetic and hopes that the interviewer uh, gives him a second chance um so they all run down to figure out where this romantic moment will take place and this was the romantic moment we saw uh last week between kevin or two weeks ago when the episodes air uh between uh kevin and holt where they kissed in the street and they're all about to run out of the elevator when holt distracts them by finally revealing what his tattoo was roy were you excited to see the tattoo oh my goodness the the suspense the suspense. I almost thought they weren't going to show that. I almost thought they weren't going to show it. And it was just going to be something like, you know, we were like, well, I guess the fans just have to figure it out themselves. But no, it was even 
wilder. I did not expect <laughs> that tattoo. I honestly was like, I, it okay. It, it was it was wild. It was it was a very strange tattoo, but it kind of makes sense for uh, it makes sense for for Holt. Uh, I had the. I had the exact same feeling, Roy, when, uh, yeah, when they paused for a moment while everyone's staring in shock and going, oh, my God, what is it? Um, yeah, I kind of thought they were going to do the, you know, Sopranos style ending where, like, the people are walking in the restaurant, but you don't actually see Tony die. And, uh, you know, we just never know. But, my God, it was more glorious than anyone could have imagined. Kevin Cosner on Cheddar's body. That was pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, Bill, what do you think of this moment? I, I never would have imagined that. And Cheddar sure got a lot of pub this week, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that was fantastic. I, I thought the same time, the same thing as these guys did that, you know, it was just going to be, you know, Jake staring at it going, it's glorious. And then it just cuts to black. But yeah, yep. that, that was better than could have been expected for sure. Yeah, I did really feel like this was going to be one of those things that like the fans on Reddit were going to try and figure out what Holt's tattoo was for years to come. But they solved this mystery for us, which was very nice of them. Uh, so the the guys, they all and the, the entire precinct, everybody who's in the heist, they all go outside. And all of a sudden, who turns around? But Gina herself, we get to see Chelsea Peretti is back and she is there. And everyone's like, ah, Gina, we tried to reach out to you. Where have you been? And she says, all you got to do is call in to watch what happens live with Andy Cohen and ask for me. Uh, Andy Cohen always knows where Gina is. Uh, and she is there. Uh, let's talk about the return of Gina. How excited were you guys to see Gina? I always thought that... Um... Gina and Boyle had the best one-liners like that is one of the things that attracted me to the show at first um and although I admit you know I, they I don't know that they got the most out of that this time um you know she she had her little sweatshirts and and they were funny uh but honestly I, I could have used more of her lines but um but it was but it was great to see her come back like I said you know I'd been hoping for her and um and and her and Charles Boyle have you know always been among my favorite characters um although Hitchcock and Scully really stepped up in Gina's absence for sure yeah I mean that's I, I think she started off hot with her lines you know when she said I'm gonna you were gonna you're gonna regret the day you fired me and you know <laughs> just like we were very supportive you left of your own volition what do you but yeah it, it did kind of it was kind of diminishing returns with the sweatshirts and things like that so I, I do I, I agree with you Haynes I, I think they could have done a little bit more with that I'm just happy she was there and she was definitely one of my favorite characters on the show you watch those first couple seasons I mean the zingers coming out of her were fantastic and those oh, sweatshirts, Roy, I was just going to say, those sweatshirts that she was wearing tonight, the like surprise reveal and stuff, like they better put those online because people will be buying those up. Oh, 100%. Oh, man. I, I was over the moon to see to see Gina back. All season, I was like, I mean, come on, right? Like they have to bring back Gina, at least for like a Skype call or something. So oh, I, was, I was over the moon to see her come down in her character and for her to play such a part in the heist. I, I kind I figured if they did bring back Gina, it was going to be a thing where she's like, hey, I'm too busy. I'm going to bounce. Well, good to see you guys. So it was kind of cool to see her be like a part of everything. Um, and then when we get to the end, I, she has one of my favorite lines in the in the episode. But we'll get there. We'll get there later. We'll get there later. 
Yes. So she drives away in this armored truck that she got. And, uh, you know, everyone's trying to figure out how do you stop an armored truck? What do you do? Uh, Rosa is going to end up jumping on the armored truck, which I thought uh, was perfectly the way to stop it. But turns out that is not the way because Jake and Charles have stuck to the bottom of the truck in magnet suits. Um, and they get Bill, who comes in, not Bill Kenny, but Bill, our fake Charles, comes in to distract. And uh, this was really good because at the same time, Holt is also taking control of her social media network, Gina's social media network, uh, in order to give the social media network to Hitchcock and Scully. And they, they take control. So she gets distracted, gives the keys, and Jay comes in to get the tube in the truck. But then it turns out that Holt is the Casimir, the person who sold Jake the magnetic suit. And uh, this is all, again, the ruse continues as we go through this. Um, Haynes, your thoughts on these this moment with the truck? Uh, well, the magnetic suit was very funny. Um, so it was, you know, it was great to see uh, everyone involved there. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't the highlight of the episode for me or anything, but, um, but, uh, but you know, the suits were funny and, um, uh, you know, you know, they, it was a it was a good segue as or a good moving piece to you know to keep things moving forward. Sometimes um, I admit, and this might be sacrilege, but I have thought it might at, at times that you know I'm not completely in love with the heist episodes. Actually, they're not my favorites. Um, I know uh, that's I think only because like I said i'm here for the fast jokes and sometimes with the heist episodes they spend so much time just doing reveals and explanations of oh this is actually what happened and this is what you thought but this is what happened um and they do a good job of packing jokes in there but i just think a little bit more time gets spent on those sorts of explanations and stuff so i admit um i i wasn't scared that they were that we were heisting because i knew it had to happen you know at some point or you know it's, it's just part of the thing but um but this one I thought was maybe the best. Uh, it was so over the top that all the explanations uh, were worth it, you know? Uh, so it's okay that, that they were putting a reveal there instead of a joke. Um, and so this is, yeah, actually maybe my favorite heist. Just Haynes coming in with some hot takes wow. there. So he doesn't love the heist episodes, but this was his favorite heist. That's interesting. Uh, Bill, what do you think? I, the betrayals are always part of the best part of these episodes. And I, I think the rapid fire that we got with, you know, Holt betraying Jake. And then, you know, a couple minutes later, we find out about Pimento and, and Amy uh, purposely got herself locked in the car. Um, that, that, that really kind of keeps it going. And, and I just recently watched a, a few of the heist episodes and, and that's always the best part to me. You're, you're trying to stay ahead of the writers and, and it's hard. You don't know where they're going to go and how they're going to do it. But I, I think they did a great job with this. I don't know if it's my favorite heist, but I, it's, it's definitely up there. So basically Holt takes the tube and he has uh, Cheddar bring it to, I think it's like a dog park uh, a few blocks away from the precinct. Uh, but Amy and Rosa find out about this and Amy has a plan that Amy's going to get the tube back. She's going to get another dog to come in, but not before Bill or fake Charles uh, says he'll dress up as the dog and go in. Um, but uh, Amy has the dog biscuit go and steal the tube. Um, 
And this was a whole thing. So, so they get the two back. They're in the car. They're talking about it. Rosa locks Amy in the car with the with the seatbelt. And then who do we get? But Mr. Adrian Pimento show up to help Rosa to take the tube. Uh, we find out that Pimento is going to head up to northern Canada, my neck of the woods. I even though I'm southern Canada, uh, but he he heads up to northern Canada to uh, help. A, I don't know if I got this fully. Help a pack of wolves or something like that uh, infiltrate a base. Does anybody know what this was? <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't catch all of that one either. I think you got it, John. <laughs> that, that's yeah. pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, this stuff happens so fast. I'm trying my best oh. to summarize it. But, but uh, Roy, thoughts on Adrian Pimento showing up? Oh man, I was like I said, I've said it multiple times tonight, but I mean it. I was over the moon. All right, because one of my favorite episodes is the episode when they have to uh, like uh, I'm trying to remember. Pimento loses his memory, um, and they're they're working with them. Uh, I love that episode. I made a reference to it in my first appearance on this, uh, on this podcast where uh, he goes, uh, Oh, it's just like Memento. And he goes, I don't know what that is. And then they go, it's like finding Dory. And he's like, now that I get it immediately cemented. Pimento is probably one of my favorite characters ever. Um, and so to see him pop back up, I, I, it was great. Uh, once again, like with this, with this episode in particular, um, there were just so many little moments. Like I would have hoped to see Pimento throughout the season. Um, I didn't expect to actually get him in this episode. Once we got like, uh, we got Gina back and we're doing a heist. I was like, I figured they weren't, weren't going to pull any more uh, surprises on us, but I was very wrong. feels like there was a twist every few minutes in this episode. And it was a great vehicle for, Rose's end story, uh, which we'll get into, you know, this whole idea that's in, you know, this, this was a shout to the fans as well. Not everybody gets the romantic happy ending, you know, yada, 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 that you think is going to happen. So I, I think that was a great way to bring him in and then kind of have Rosa play Amy and, and uh, you know, make her think that she was in love with him. That's a good point, Bill. And also, you know, it's just very pimento to find out that he's been working in a, you know, in a coal mine that's <laughs> under attack by wolves. So he's decided he's going to kill the leader, become the alpha male, and lead the pack back to the mine to destroy it in the ultimate double cross. And uh, and that's why we love pimento. You know, and the only thing that would have made it better is if he said that he had been at the good place. You know, that that would have been. <laughs> Haynes, where were you when I was trying to summarize this wolf subplot? <laughs> I, I just, I, my brain needed a second to process. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we get all these shenanigans with the tubes, and uh, you know, we kind of we get this little bit of a break in the episode where Charles finds this letter of resignation in the locker um, that it was Jake's, and he finds out that uh, Jake is going to be retiring from the nine nine, and he's pretty upset about this, so he leaves. Uh, Jake talks to Amy, tells Amy that uh, she found it, that he found out that charles is gone and is upset um we find out that jake put a tracker in charles's butt eight years ago when he had that accident with the horse um which is a good a storyline that we get from the original season of brooklyn 99 and uh you know jake ends up finding charles and they go back to the place nine years ago i think it's before the series even started where they first said that they were best friends um, and they have this, you know, scene where they go back, they're wearing these scarves and they say, yeah, I, I, lo I love that Charles was like, yeah, that was actually really good. Like we should keep wearing those. And Jake's like, no. <laughs> can, can I just say, I, uh, this was the only thing that I really genuinely questioned in the episode, uh, was Charles finding the letter and then 
pretty much just being like, you know, disappointed and then walking away. Like I thought it, it to me, the Charles Boyle that we know to find that letter should have been way, way, way more upset, like suicidal immediately. You know, that's kind of the way I thought. Um, but, uh, but you know, it, it you know, it, the, listen, the rest of the, the story worked, but I, I admit thinking at the time, like, wow, Charles is not upset enough. You're, you're not wrong, but uh, is, isn't that showing the growth that he's had, especially over the last season and a half? Like, he- I thought this was about Jake Peralta's growth. <laughs> Everyone's growth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Everyone's Jake does growing, tell Charles. Not the title of your sex tape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Jake tells Charles how much he has grown, and we get the sentimental moment, the Jake and Charles you know, finale moment of them together. And Jake gives Charles uh, his gift, which is a copy of Fancy Best of Venice, uh, if, I don't know if I said that correctly, but but basically it's them dressed in fancy fancy clothing in a oh, magazine, and they're very happy. Yes, yeah. This was this was really really funny, and they end up uh, making up, and they are okay. Uh, we get this other storyline that's going on where Terry uh, thinks he's in this office, being recruited to be the captain of the Nine Nine, and he's there for his interview. Um, but he starts to notice that things aren't right. Uh, the family looks off. He breaks the picture frame of the family. The computer is unplugged. There's no light in the light bulb. He opens up the window. It's some bricks. It's not a real window. And he thinks that this is fake. Um, so he, he starts yelling. He ends up pulling the guys. We don't see it on camera, but he tries to pull the interviewer's wig off. Uh, and he goes back and he tells Holt, he says, I know that you set me up for a fake interview. I don't know why you did that. Uh, Holt says, no, no, no. This was not a fake interview. They end up going back together to talk to uh this interviewer um what did you think of this bill it it felt very much like a extra storyline something to do with terry and and get him into the captainship without spending too much time on it might have been the only weak part of the entire episode episodes um but there were a couple good moments with holt and terry once they were locked in the room and he found out that he was in fact being played um but yeah it it wasn't my favorite part and uh i I knew they had to do it because you know terry would start to gossip with the others and find out all this information but yeah yeah i i I think this was this was pretty good i totally fell for it um that uh you know that um I, I didn't know that obviously that Holt had actually made it the, you know, the fake office. Like we thought it was that Jake was making, uh, I guess, making it a, a fake setup or, um, or then that Holt trapped himself in there, excuse me, you know, and that's why we were kind of confused about that. So, um, so they definitely got me. I definitely thought that um, I definitely didn't know that Holt was the one pulling that move at first. Uh, Roy, any thoughts on this part of the episode? Um, I've, I'm with Bill. Uh, this wasn't definitely wasn't my favorite part of the episode. Um, I kind of was. I, I didn't try to do any predicting with how the rest of um, this episode was gonna go. Uh, like I said, I just wanted to see Gina. So when I got Gina, I was just like, "All right, let's see what else is gonna happen." So I was just, uh, I was just interested to see all the twists and turns that they came uh, that came with it. Um, but I do like that uh, Terry still figured out that this was not a real interview, even though Holt tried to prank him that it is. I like that Terry still is smart enough to know, like, yeah, but something's something's off. Like, even though you guys set this up, I knew this wasn't real. So I just love that for uh, for Terry. 
So we get to this little side story where Rosa says to Amy that she wants to get back together with Pimento and she's going to go to the airport with Gina. So they go off on their own. Um, Meanwhile, Jake returns to the precinct. He gives his present to Amy that he wants to give to her, which is an an egg. She cracks open the egg and it is a necklace with a little binder that has tabs for her and him and Mac. Uh, Not in proper alphabetical order, but she can always fix that up. And uh, Jake ends up going to the next part of his plan where he is going to take the fireworks to the Brooklyn Bridge. So he goes into the back room. He sees the fireworks and he's standing there with Charles and they go off and we cut to commercial. And I didn't know what was going to happen here. I know we joked earlier in the season about like, could somebody die from Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Would that be a crazy way to do it? Um, Haynes, what were your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, I was you know, I, again, they just, they, you know, they got me over and over this episode and those, you know, I guess that can be the fun thing about the heist is all the reveals and stuff. I, uh, absolutely, you know, I fell for it totally when he was going to wake up seven years in the future. Like I thought that's where we were going with it, going into that commercial break. I was really sitting there kind of, you know, aghast going, what? Um, and you know, of course that's not what happened, but, uh, but you should see in my notes, when I wrote "She Married Teddy," it's all caps. <laughs> yeah, so, so let and me it just was explain really this for, hilarious. Yeah, let me just explain this for anyone who's just like following along with our recaps who hasn't watched the episodes. So uh, basically, what happens here is Jake wakes up. He's in a hospital bed, and he's been told by Amy that it is seven years later. So he, Jake still thinks it's the heist. Uh, all of a sudden, we get a flash forward seven years later. Um, and it turns out that Charles Boyle, she, he asked what happens to him. Um, he ends up becoming a sheriff and a principal in a small town in Arizona. Our friend, uh, Rob Finn in the chat said would love a spinoff of Charles, the small town oh principal God. slash chief of police. You said it, Rob. Uh, yeah. And in, in an alternate universe, that would be really great to see. And it was just, uh, I was, I have to say. This was my favorite part of the entire episode. I love this. I loved like thinking to myself, like, oh my God. Okay. So like we all of a sudden just get the surprise flash forward. I cannot believe this. Teddy shows up, which is Amy's ex-boyfriend, the really annoying ex-boyfriend who's been, you know, by her side and wanted to get back together with her for the entire series. Turns out that she is back with Amy and Teddy and Mac now watch college swimming together. (laughs) 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 Hilarious throwaway line. Um, but it turns out this was all part of the heist. And really, Amy actually cl- was Kristaps who sold the uh, the fireworks to Jake. She goes, she chloroforms uh, Jake and chloroforms uh, Boyle. And this was just an amazing turn of events because I totally bought it. Did all of you guys buy this as well? No. <laughs> I, good bought you, it, <laughs> no, I, I bought it going into the commercial and then we come back to the commercial and I said, there is no way in hell they're going to put her with Teddy in this show. There's not a chance. Like they are not, they are not going to give that middle finger to all of these fans because that would, that would have just been terrible. So that's when they lost me. So I, I believe it, it second, but they basically watched the, how I met your mother finale and were like, <laughs> okay, let's go, let's just like fake everybody right. out to go in that direction because that is exactly what they did. They are the worst finale of all time. Worst finale ever. Yes. Yeah. Roy, we're going to jump in there. I, I got to say, this was the only one that I didn't fall for. As soon as, as soon as I heard that they, that he had been like in a coma for some time, I was like, no way. I audibly was, I audibly went, no way. 
I was like, the whole time I was like, come on, are we really gonna? I was like, that's how this are they gonna end the in the show with the time skip so late in the episode that that's ins- that was insane. I was like, this is this is wild. So the whole time when we got back from the commercial break, I was like, okay, what's gonna happen? I will say the whole time though, I was like, if this is what's happening, if if they really like skip forward all this time, like, oh my goodness, how what? I want another season. Like I want to see what everyone's doing seven years from, from, you know, present day. Um, I thought, I thought that would have been a fun trip to take. Yeah. Well, the thing that I felt that I really would have loved to see, and I was thinking about this over the commercial break was like, I wanted to see which actor was going to play Mac. Like I was trying to think about like what the kid would be like, who would you look like? And then I went on this rabbit hole in my head where I was like, oh, well, maybe they should have flash forward away in the future. And it turns out that Mac turns into Bruce Willis, which would have been (laughs) such a crazy (laughs) turn of events. So you um, really went down the rabbit hole, John. That's that's, that's me. So um, anyways, so we turn turns out this whole thing is fake uh teddy proposes one last time which is a great way to end uh with that character and uh jake you know is still in the hospital bed but he's really in the precinct and we are trying to uh to figure out what's going to happen and then for me the cameo that i absolutely was waiting for i didn't say it on any of these episodes because i didn't think this was going to happen but i love malipnos i think he, fred arvison <laughs> is so great fred could do this in every fred basically plays a version of Malipnos in every character, like every single sitcom that he's ever been in, Last Man on Earth, like all the same. It's just, he always does this. This was hilarious. It oh was amazing. It was Fantastic. amazing to see amazing to see Fred Armisen again. Uh, before we move away from the other scene, there's a couple things. Um, one, I think that it, um, you know, one thing that would have been a lot different about this, and I do think it would have been hilarious if she ended up with Teddy because because it would have been a giant middle finger to the audience. Um, I, I think I don't think with I don't think with uh, you know how I met your mother. I don't think they meant to give the. That is, I don't think it was an intentional middle finger. This would have been an intentional middle finger. No, no, they definitely old. meant that with with. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so this this uh, yeah this, this I think would have been funny, but um, you know. Amy was already, and obviously this is you know, just part of the act and part of their relationship, really, her being upset about how much money Jake spends on things. Um, and, uh, for, you know, and particularly at the very beginning of the episode, she even mentioned the heist, like, oh, my God, how much did you spend? Um, of course, that, you know, was just to cover, you know, her own expenses. But, I mean, to fake that setup right there in the office, like, that had to cost a pretty penny. Um, and, and I was kind of – I thought it was kind of funny they, they didn't uh, – he didn't at least rip her for that. Um, but uh, – but yes, that was that was a great run, and then to see Fred Armisen, um, you know, he's a, a true hero of mine. You could put him in any show uh, at any moment, and uh, I will pretty much die. So it you, was did, great you didn't draft him on your fantasy team. <laughs> I uh, listen. <laughs> listen, there's a ton of people that each of us didn't draft. You know, that's the part. That's what a draft is. You know, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, anyone else want to say anything about Fred? Oh, I. I I love Fred Armisen. I, I just want to say real quick, Fred Armisen is one of my all-time favorite SNL uh, alum. I think that he is almost everything I've seen him in can make me laugh pretty much harder than like anyone else. Uh, and I feel like every time he cameos in something, it, it kind of becomes something that like uh, people remember down the line. Like I just re- uh, finished rewatching uh, Broad City again, 
and he has a he cameos in there as well with like a very similar character. So I was just excited to see uh, to see him pop up here. And once again, that was another callback from what is it? Uh, it started way back in season one. So I was like, it was, I was just episode. so excited. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, so it was the f- first episode, and then I think the the wedding uh, between Jake and Amy, he was there as well. So, uh, yeah, he's just he's so great. And uh, now that I know, for, well, he's Malipnos, but he's also Jerry. That's his real name, and which we find out in this episode. Uh, and he taught me something. He taught me that if I ever uh, lose my keys or I ever need keys, I should just have like mini birds around to trade them with people <laughs> for the keys. It's good, good to know. Um, so we get this uh, this final act of the heist where everyone trying to figure out where the tube is since it's not in the fake baby that uh jake originally planted the tube in it turns out that cheddar uh took the tube and brought it all the way to the place where holt had his first case with the 99 it is holt's way of having his sentimental uh goodbye and uh we get there and everybody's in there and they're all talking about this thing uh we and uh bill comes in and bill the fake charles comes in he locks them in there because he's going to take the tube and go away he shuts the door they're all stuck in there and we find out that terry actually did become the captain of the 99 so that's pretty much a wrap on terry's story anyone want to comment on terry's uh the the arc of terry the character He's come such a long way from the beginning. Uh, you know, somebody who couldn't go out on the beat because of uh, things that had happened uh, and kind of being the loyal sidekick to Holt all these years. Uh, it, it was good to see him finally get his chance and be able to take over. Uh, it, it's funny that they made it so simple. All Holt had to do was call and, and put in a word for him. And he didn't have to go through the interview at all uh, because of all the times that he'd already gone through things like that. So, um, but don't, don't leave out. Uh, he, that wasn't the button on his story. The Kool-Aid man was. Well, yeah, I was just about to get to that, but yes, that, that is true. Um, well, we basically, you know, they're all in there, and all of a sudden, out of this box comes the great Carolyn Saint Jacques Renard, <laughs> comes out the violinist, and she, as this is happening, Jake reveals that he is leaving the Nine Nine, and they have all this animal, animal monuments about, you know, just talking about him leaving. Um, Terry makes this whole speech, and you are right, Bill. He runs out as the Kool Aid Man. They all convince him to do it, and I was so happy to see that. Um, Hey, uh, Roy, anything on the uh, on Terry uh, leaving or Terry becoming the captain of the 99? Uh, not specifically on him becoming the captain of the 99. I did want to say another one of my favorite moments uh, in the entire episode, maybe even the season, is once Terry does go a uh, full Kool-Aid man and go off the, the wall. I loved uh, Jake going, all right, now do that one. As if he's just going to be like, well, I did it once. And he just went over. That was another one that got one of like the biggest laughs for me this entire season. I thought that was so funny. I, I have to give props to Andy Samberg. I mean, I know it's like something that's like the coldest take in the world that like Andy Samberg is great in this show. But I have to say, like, if you watch this finale, it is a pure work of art from him in terms of like him being able to play emotional and then also saying like little one liners. He is so fantastic in this. And this is talking about and, and you know, we can talk about how what Brooklyn Nine-Nine will be remembered for as we get to the end of this uh, podcast. But really, I just want to say, like, for a guy who was not great at sketch work, that was always the thing about Andy Samberg. How incredible is is his, has his acting come from 2005 to now it's just unbelievable 
it's amazing. I said that on the first one that we did. Um, you know, he would have not been anywhere on my radar as far as getting a sitcom. Uh, thought he was hilarious on SNL, but you know, it was mostly the pre-tapes, and it was, and and to see what he's done, he's blossomed so much, and you can see it even watching the the, the first couple of seasons. He's he's very raw. He's very unsure of himself, even in the character of Jake Peralta. But as the seasons went on, he, he felt more comfortable in it and he made it his own. And yeah, you can't say enough about Andy Samberg and what he's been able to do over eight years. Yeah. Haynes, you want to jump in on that? Well, um, yeah, it's, it's clear he's, you know, grown as an actor. Um, I, you know, we always talk about um, Andre Brower and, you know, and the job he does on the show, um, and it's fantastic. But, you know, one of the things that I've said to myself before is, you know, I, I've really never seen anybody but, um, you know, um, Andy and Terry Crews really in anything else. Um, I know that uh, Joel McKinnon Miller was in Big Love. I didn't see Big Love, you know. Um, I mean, I, you know, seen Chelsea Pretty stand up and stuff. Um, seen Jolo Trulio and, you know, in, a, in, a, in, you know, a lot of smaller bit parts back in the day for a long time. But, um, you know, I don't really know how Melissa Fumero or Stephanie Beatrice could like, yeah, I really don't know their full range. And I, I have always I've thought to myself, you know, I would kind of love to see them in some other roles um, because yeah, Andre kind of steals the show a lot, but he gets a lot of, you know, parts. They take his character to places that they don't always take those other characters. And, um, and so, yeah, something, I'm, this is not a critique of the show uh, that I needed to see more range out of those characters. So I think those characters need to fit certain roles, you know, for this type of ensemble cast. But um, but I think it's easy to crown Andre, uh, you know, as like the greatest actor on the show. And, and he probably is. Uh, but I'm genuinely curious. I, I really love to see um, to see these other actors in some other roles and to see, you know, see those chops expanded a little bit more uh, just because I am fans of them now, you know. Definitely. You gotta watch In the Heights. Gotta watch In the Heights. Nice. Who's in uh, In the Heights? Is Stephanie Beatrix. She she's in that one. It's 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 wild seeing seeing her go from from Rosa to to In the Heights. Uh, it was like, oh, so that's not like your actual voice. Rosa is like, <laughs> yeah. I know that's the big thing. But is is ever yeah. yeah? It's like I you know I like other people have have heard her real voice, and that is the first thing you go, oh. I've, Oh, she's acting. <laughs> the the, char- the character she played on Modern Family was was very meek and mild and had a completely different voice. So it was always jarring to see, you know, watch an episode of Modern Family and then see her on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. Well, let me let me wrap up the storylines and then we'll talk about really what this show meant uh, for everybody who loved it. So they go back to the precinct. It turns out that uh, Bill or Fake Charles ends up selling for forty dollars the two to who. Hitchcock, who has never been in Brazil the entire season. Uh, very weird storyline where he says that he was living in a beaver trap. Did I get that right? <laughs> I was like, are they going to explain that more? And and does anybody else know about beaver traps? Like, is it just like, just a little, uh, I thought it was like a metal, oh, maybe it's a cage. I guess cages catch ba- beavers. I, I don't, I needed to hear more about that. And how, and how have we not talked about Donkey Scully? <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Uh, where, where did that come from? yeah the the whole thing was a very weird but we did learn scully's real name we think is norm but he can't confirm it he couldn't confirm it right 
Do, do, yeah, so that was my question. Did we not know that already? Did we not know that his name was Norm? Yeah, they, I, I mean, that's certainly the way they addressed it. I don't remember hearing it at any point, but they certainly delivered it. I mean, everyone went, Norm, and he went, my name's Norm, and everyone was like, Norm. So, I don't know. It certainly came, it seemed that's the way they intended us to receive it. Yeah. Um, well, uh, so he ends up winning the final heist, or so we think, and, uh, uh, they end up, we get, we get this, like, you know, final goodbye in the precinct where everybody's having drinks. We have these really sentimental, nice moments. The first one we get is between Rosa and Amy, where Rosa says, I love you to Amy, which, uh, you know, talk about character growth that we have Rosa saying, I love you to anybody is really interesting. And, and, you know, for eight seasons, we've had this thing where Amy has constantly wanted to get emotion out of Rosa, but we finally get a little something from her there um and that wraps up their friendship so um what was you know overall you guys like how this wrapped up between rosa and amy yep definitely. absolutely <laughs> yeah definitely yeah definitely yeah me too um it was it was yeah sweet cool but classic i liked it Perfect. We get uh, also the Terry story wrapping up with him saying he's going to depend on Boyle moving forward. And Boyle says to get you in shape, <laughs> which <laughs> that was uh, like classic Boyle. Very funny. Um, Gina, her storyline wraps up where she's going to go steal a bunch of diamonds from the evidence locker and just walks away. And everyone's like, was that real? Yeah, that was, it. It was. That was it. That was one of my favorite lines of the whole of the whole season. It's her just being like, oh, anyways, I'm just like laughing. I was like, did she really just do that? Everyone's just it, okay with it? I mean, to me, I think, yeah, I think they're just really shining a light on the core of who Gina is, which is, you know, a hilarious and lovable character. But like, she's still about getting hers. And that's what it came down to. I think I, I would like to hope that it was real. It was very nice to me. Uh, and then uh, we get Hitchcock and Scully. They hug for one last time, except Scully has some wing sauce on his collar. Um, he left it there for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. True friendship uh, right there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A great goodbye for two of two of my favorite sitcom characters ever. Just so funny, them seeing them together. I'm so happy we got that uh, because I didn't know if we were going to get Hitchcock in person. I know that the actor himself, uh, I, I don't know if he wanted to come in because of COVID or whatever the reason was, but uh, to have them together in person for the final episode was really wonderful. Uh, and then we get this moment, which I think has been like eight years in the making where Jake, you know, the whole story, if, if you were to sum up, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine as a story, it's a lot about uh, Jake's relationship to Holt and to his father himself and how uh you know the jokes that we get all the time that holt is jake's daddy and holt says uh that he the one thing that he asked terry when jake when he joined the 99 he said tell me about peralta and he said uh you know he's a great detective but he needs to grow up and uh jake finally did grow up and that he's proud of jake and this was just such a nice moment here bill what were your thoughts on it and not bad for an old robot. <laughs> yeah, that that was fantastic. And that's exactly what we needed. The, the series began with Holt walking in and, and seeing the hijinks that, that this character was getting into, uh, even though he was a great detective. And to end it on this note and give him kind of the validation that he wanted as a father figure uh, for the last eight years, that, that was perfect. And he Holt got his first uh, sex title of a sex movie in as well. So, <laughs> Yeah, he said, uh, we rubbed off on each other quite a bit, uh, title of your sex tape. Which, uh, I'm so happy we got one last time. Roy, what were your thoughts on this moment? Oh, I loved it. I Once again, this is one of the moments that, I mean, I 
didn't specifically expect to see, but I was kind of hoping for is, you know, the whole, the whole show, Jake kind of makes it pretty obvious that he does see Holt as a father figure for him. So it it was a very nice moment to see Holt actually acknowledge that and to say like, yeah, you know, if, if I were to have a son and he was like you, I would be incredibly proud of him. Cause I mean, it, like I said, it, it was just, it was a really nice moment. And I, I felt like once I heard that, I was like, all right, that's it for Jake Peralta. Like he, he got it. I mean, like that is it. That's perfect. We got the button on his, on his, on his arc here. He's, he grew up over the course of the show. It's been such an interesting ride for these past, what, eight, nine years. And Haynes, I think what I loved about this particular moment is that it really showed that the crux of the show was actually about Jake's relationship to Holt and it, it didn't end on this like romantic moment between Jake and Amy because they're fine and, and he is leaving the 9-9 to take care of their child like that that was that was you know like taken care of already but in the writing of a sitcom they basically made the finale for Jake the B plot is really him leaving and going home to take care of his child but the A plot is like him finally getting this resolution in his relationship with Holt and I thought that was great I totally agree. Uh, one of the things that I thought tremendously, uh, you know, about leading up to this episode was, you know, how much they were really going to deal with this, um, you know, tying up this father son relationship between Holt and Jake. And I'll be honest, I do not come to comedy shows for sentimental moments. I generally detest them. And, and usually when they happen, you know, I find myself kind of you know, at, at best, they're tolerable. Usually I'm, I'm trying to sit through the cringe and going, okay, all right, I know they have to do this, but let's get through this. Um, my The moment that I hate most of all time, that I, and I say this all the time in any comedy, is when the cameraman comes out from behind the camera to wipe the tears away from Pam in the office. I hate that moment more than any other in TV. I hate it. But this was so far from that. It was natural and it was more than bearable. I genuinely enjoyed it. And that was kind of, you know, a surprising thing to me that the way um, that they led up to this moment, it was, it had enough grace. Uh, it wasn't forced too much and it felt good to me. I actually, and I genuinely enjoyed the moment. So yes, it was beautiful and that's sappier than I ever like to get about comedy stuff, but I really liked it. Yeah, yeah, that was nice, Haynes. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for doing that. Even though you don't like it, but but uh, I do agree with you about that office moment compared to this. So that's that's a good point. Um, so Jake ends up taking his name tag off of his desk. Uh, we get the de- detective Jake Peralta uh, taken off as he walks towards the elevator. He tries to turn off the lights to the precinct, and we get one last great joke of Terry being like, "You can't turn the lights off at a precinct." Um, but uh, and we're by the way, for the record. Where were all the night shift people for all of the the season we got of Brooklyn Nine Nine? All the crew working at the, working the night shift for an entire Fair season. Question. Uh, yeah. So they, they were they weren't there. Uh, flash forward. Uh, this is a real flash forward to about a year later. Um, we get uh, Sergeant uh, or we get Captain Jeffords speaking to the precinct. Um, we get some, you know, a little bit of comedy between Boyle and his new partner. And then Jake shows up for a final Halloween heist. And then Terry says that final one was last year. And then it turns out that the entire mm. cast, everybody shows up again, and they all agree they're going to come back and do this every year. And that is our ending to our series. We are wrapped. Bill, 
thoughts on the wrap of Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Such a great way to end it, to give us that sentimental moment that Haynes hates so much, <laughs> but then bring it back to the comedy and give us the last two or three minutes of, no, these characters are going to live on, even though you're not going to see them on your TV screens or your phone screens anymore. And they're still going to have this fun with the heist and they're still going to get together and be a family. Uh, I, I think that's just a great way to go out. Uh, we talked about fan service a bunch of times. I think that really kind of puts the button on the entire series, giving everybody what they want and making sure that these people are still in each other's lives, even though we can't see them anymore. Yeah. Roy, what about you? Uh, thoughts on how they wrapped everything? Um, I, I loved it. I love the, the, that little ending there of them going back and doing another heist and having it just be another day in the life of, of the of the nine nine, uh, it I it it makes it easier to kind of I, I I guess easier is the wrong way to, to put it. it. It makes it um it, like it feels nice that when your favorite show is coming to an end, that in your head those characters are still living a life and they're still doing their own thing. It's not like okay their their stories came to an end and now what they do with the rest of their life is ambiguous. Like. Nope, Brooklyn Nine-Nine's like, yeah, what they do, the details of their life is are going to be, you know, kind of up to you as the, as the fans. But the Nine-Nine themselves, the people, the friendships, you know, the relationships that they've cultivated are like, they're going to they're gonna continue to, to thrive and they're going to be the same. Uh, it'll be different, but they're still the same characters. So, yeah, they're, of course, obviously going to do another heist because everyone gets way too invested in the, in the heist. So the idea that there was a last one, I was like, come on, no way. So it was nice to know that every year. Right, I love, I love that point so much because uh, I'm such a, I have such a, like a psychological thing when I watch certain TV shows that I love where I build the worlds in my head and I don't want the shows to end that I really love because I don't want to leave this world. And th the best service that a show can do to you as a fan is make you know that like, look, these shows have to end. These actors or actresses are real people. They have to go on and do other projects. But in the world of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, knowing that even though we don't get to see it, there's still things happening out there. I think that is always nice. And shows that don't do that, I obviously get disappointed with. So I'm so happy to have seen that in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, Haynes, thoughts on how they wrapped Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Well, this is the curse of coming last on a you know with a group of intelligent panelists. Uh, the, yeah, I'm going to say the, the same thing, the same points that you all just made. Uh, you know, the thing, the only thing that's sad about this ending is that it's ending, you know, that we lose this connection. And now these stories get to live on in our minds, that universe will continue. We get to imagine that, um, that, that those same old antics are continuing uh, to happen down the road somewhere. And so, yeah, that was probably, you know, the best thing about it. Um, it was a fantastic way to end the show because it doesn't really end. And uh, yeah, and so I thought it was it was top notch. Let's talk about what Brooklyn Nine Nine will be remembered for. So when we are uh, recapping season fifty seven of Saturday Night Live in ten years from now, and somebody makes a joke about Brooklyn Nine Nine, and they say, "Oh yeah, uh, yeah, like I remember that show. Oh, that show was great. Um, I really loved X about this show." Let's talk about the things that we're going to remember Brooklyn Nine Nine for. Haynes, do you want me to let you go first on this one? <laughs> uh sure i don't i don't uh, i don't have an answer really immediately off the top of my head uh what will brooklyn 99 be remembered for i think it will 
What about to you? Remember. Tell me, tell me to you. What, what to me, you remember? Yeah. The fast jokes. That's why I watch the show. I love it because it's hard, fast jokes. They don't, you know, they, they're quick um, and they're stupid, which I love. I love stupid comedy. Um, and that's what I'll remember about it. That's why I watch the show. And when I recommend it to people who have never seen it, that's the reason I'll recommend it. I'll recommend it to my friends who like quick, fast jokes. Those are the type of people I'm going to go, hey, if you've never seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you got to watch it. That's what I'll remember it for. Okay. Uh, let's go. Let's do it in reverse order. Roy, what about you? What will you remember Brooklyn Nine-Nine for? Um, I will remember it for the ensemble. Uh, I think it had one of the best TV ensembles that I've ever personally seen. Um, when I think of like the great ensemble comedies, I mean, like, I think, you know, like Arrested Development to me is an, is an amazing uh, ensemble comedy. And I feel like this show, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is, is easily up there with all of them. Um, I, my biggest pet peeve about watching a lot of comedies in particular is uh, they don't really, um, they don't really do too I feel like they don't do justice to their characters. I feel like their their characterizations can be kind of weak sometimes in service of the main character becoming like more important or the side characters fall into the background. Whereas like, you know, Hitchcock and, and Scully could easily have in in other hands been like characters who popped up like twice throughout the entire show for like one joke and then that, that's it. But like the fact that they're able to manage all these characters and their relationships and making sure that with each episode and with, see, uh, with each passing season, um, everyone is, you know, learning stuff and, and growing from the season prior, not making the same mistakes that they would make a season prior. Um, and also, uh, as Andrew said, the, the, the quick writing and the the pacing it's it like i said i think this will go down as one of the great ensemble comedies for sure bill over to you well um it, it's i i echo a lot of what roy just said um i said the last time i was on that i think it's the last great network sitcom we're going to get this may be the last great ensemble for the foreseeable future uh you know not only with things moving to streaming but everything going to shorter seasons you know 10 or 12 episodes on netflix or on hulu and you don't have the time to build those ancillary characters you don't have the time to pair off you know eight different people in every knowable you know configuration because you've got to get you know, we saw with Brooklyn Nine-Nine this year, trying to get everything into 10 episodes was a lot of work. And I, I think some people will say they didn't get everything in, although this finale may change their minds. But, you know, it, it, you could you could put any of these two characters together in a scene and you would be happy. Uh, and I think the last time we really saw that was Friends. You know, you could take, and John, I know you're a fan of that. Um, you know, you could take any of those six characters and pair them off and it didn't matter who they were, you know, maybe some of them were stronger than others, but you were going to get the funny no matter which two people. And you got that with Brooklyn Nine-Nine as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the rewatchability is of the show. I think it'll be like The Office or Friends or Seinfeld where you can go back and watch the series 10, 12, 15 times, but it's got the underlying issues of being a police comedy as well. So where are we going to be 10 years from now? hopefully in a much better place. Um, I was thinking about this today because we, uh, my daughter's watching uh, The Office for the first time. And they're, you know, we're, we're on the jokes about Oscar not being able to get married. And, you know, how much has the world changed since that? 
and that gives you kind of hope that maybe 10 years from now, you know, the police brutality, maybe it's through rose colored glasses. I'm saying that, but maybe some of this will have gone away. Maybe some of this will have gotten better. And you could look at the show with new eyes and go, you know, I can't believe the world used to be like that. So fingers crossed. That's, that's where we're at with the show, but I think it's rewatchable no matter what. Such a great point, Bill. And uh, yeah, there were important moments that were discussed this season. And it was, you know, the show ended at an interesting time. It had the show, you know, the show was once canceled by Fox. And it, it really, it was the fans of the show that brought the show back and had NBC uh, picking it up. And, and if the show didn't last all the way through 2020 into 2021, we may not have been able to see them address the issues that they ended up addressing this season, which um, I think they did an, uh, a nice job doing at least in part uh given that they had already written part of the season prior to uh you know the covid happening in the first place and everything that happened in 2020 so um i think it, it's it's an, really an excellent point and and for me uh what brooklyn 99 will be remembered for is a lot of what you guys said i mean i i don't want to repeat but you know ensemble cast is for sure um you know last greats to come potentially i know that like a uh, superstore on nbc was a show that i just finished watching earlier uh this i forgot i think it was earlier this year and um i loved that show and i it was like the first sitcom that i found that was more recent that i really felt like like matched the level of some of the shows that came before it but i wonder myself if i will struggle to find a new sitcom that will match some of the sitcoms that have come um you know in this pre in this generation in the previous generation with you know the parks and rec and the the office and all the community and all of those and then in the generation before it obviously with the friends and the seinfelds um i just i'm so curious to see where we're going to go because maybe this isn't the last great sitcom maybe it is the last great network sitcom as bill said but this is really the end of an era and where will sitcoms be in five or ten years from now that is going to be an interesting question i cannot wait to explore with all of our panelists as we continue to move forward and i wonder if snl cast members will be a big part of deciding where that goes i would hope so i'm sorry if we're going forward to the future of what sitcoms can be give beck and kyle their own tv show i would be over the moon if they got there they're always getting cut for time i think they should just i if Agreed. i think that they could do it i think they could do it yeah, I look forward to eventually, once some cast members leave Saturday Night Live, to seeing which uh, what what they end up doing with some network comedies or or streaming comedies moving forward. Um, so, thank you guys, thank you, Bill, Roy, and Haynes for joining us on you know as we close out this journey of talking about Brooklyn Nine Nine. It's hard to believe uh, we started this up uh, five weeks ago, where we started talking about this show. It's the first time uh, on SNL Stats that we've covered a scripted show in full you know, talking about an entire season of a show, which I thought was really nice. I want to thank all of the panelists that have joined us for all five weeks of our coverage. It was great to get to hear from some new voices who are going to be joining us on our SNL coverage coming up this season. I'm so excited for that. And, you know, really, as as we wrap Brooklyn Nine-Nine, if, you know, I want to tell our audience and people who are listening after the fact, if you like us covering other SNL-adjacent shows, please let us know. I know that our live audience for shows like this is a little bit smaller compared to our main, you know, our, our main course, what we cover here in terms of SNL. But if you enjoy this type of coverage, we have you know, all different types of panelists that love different comedy shows, some drama comedies that we get to see um, throughout the year. And I know that there's a lot of things that they would love to talk about. Let us know if you like us doing stuff like this, and then we would be happy to continue to cover other types of shows. So we would love to get that feedback from any of our listeners as well. 
Um, before I talk about what's coming up with SNL coverage, let me send it over to our panelists for some plugs and to tell me what's up in their lives. So, Bill, um, how has the end of your summer been and where can people reach out to you? Uh, end of summer's been good. Um, ready for the baseball playoffs. Love football starting and ready for SNL. Best time of the year with everything kind of combining at the same time. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and uh, Instagram at BKLove73. Perfect. And uh, Bill actually beat me last week in the SNL Network Fantasy Football League. So so uh, I'll get you back, Bill, for sure. Um, um, <laughs> Roy, um, can you tell me how your summer has been? Yeah, yeah. In uh, the summer's been pretty good. Uh, I just started my artist residency at a children's theater here in uh, Minneapolis. So working with a lot of kids and and uh, helping them kind of develop some some confidence on stage. Uh, so that's that's pretty fun. Um, yeah, and if you're looking to reach out or follow me or anything, anything of that sort, uh, my name is at Roy Richardson Jr. Uh, on Instagram, and that's pretty much all I have for social media. So. Yeah, Roy, and also I'm so excited to talk about Saturday Night Live with you coming up this season. I know you're going to be a big part of our coverage moving forward, so I look forward to that. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. I'm over the moon. I'm so excited. It's going to be a yeah. good time. And I know somebody who's over the moon, who's just cannot wait, or just a little bit over two weeks. Haynes, how excited are you for the new season and where can people reach out to you? I'm so excited for the new season. Uh, people can always find me on uh, Twitter at, at SNL has a cast and on Instagram at Candrew attitude. Um, I have had a fantastic summer. I'm, I don't think people on the show probably know much that uh, I'm like a diehard fish fan, the band fish. And so it was amazing to get back out in real concerts again you know I, I wore a mask and and did everything right and got tested afterwards and and it was okay i'm not trying to like encourage people to do things that are unsafe or anything but i but i it was just great to you know i tried to do things the right way and then it worked out and it was just great they put the stage right on the beach in atlantic city and you could dance in the water and i just got back from five days and in, in cape hatteras and i'm just like soaking up the beach life ready for football ready for snl those are the harbingers of fall to me our football and snl and um just so excited to be back so excited to be talking with my old friends and new ones uh and so just really looking forward to uh to this season and um, yeah catch me on twitter at snl has a cast and uh instagram at Andrew attitude Thanks, Haynes. And for anybody who wants to reach out to me at all, my name is John Schneider. You can find me at John Schneider24 on Twitter, Instagram, any of the social medias to talk to me directly. I love to hear from our listeners to find out what they like about our coverage. It's so great to talk to them, especially as we're starting this SNL season, because we really do this for you guys. We do this to, you know, bring the SNL community together. So the types of content you want to hear from us, I would love to know. And I'll always love to know how much you are enjoying our coverage. So we get to, I, I really appreciate that. Um, I want to talk about, you know, a couple things that have, uh, you know, we've been doing in terms of SNL coverage. Uh, very unfortunately, a couple of days ago, we lost the great Norm McDonald, an all-time cast member. And, uh, you know, I felt that at that moment, it was time to go live on uh, YouTube to talk to some people in the SNL community about the loss of Norm. Um, Bill, uh, thank you so much for joining me that day. Um, if for anybody who hasn't checked out our tribute to, to Norm Macdonald, uh, not that you know this is a, a big plug, but I, I do think that it was comforting to be with people in the SNL community who also loved him. Uh, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about like what we did that day? 
Uh, it was very cathartic to be able to talk about uh, some of the, the funny moments in Norm's career and remembrances of, of all the great stuff he did on SNL and beyond. And uh, it, th- this is the perfect time for a community like this to be able to get together and, and kind of bond and have, you know, it's the happy moments, but also to have somebody to talk to in the sad moments. And whether you were part of the conversation or just listening, I think it was very helpful. Yeah, we, we had a nice audience uh, with us that day. It was uh, recorded on Tuesday in the middle of the afternoon, a very last minute thing. So if you missed it, uh, that that would be why it was just, you know, we decided to just jump on. Uh, Bill was very kind enough to join us for a little bit. We had uh, Marcus Jennings, who has joined us in the past on our trivia nights. Uh, Andy Hoagland from Entertainment Weekly and SNL in Review was able to join us and co-host that episode with me. And then we were also joined by uh, Rob Kelly, who was a stage manager who worked with Norm MacDonald for five years uh, or not five, uh, a few years at SNL, I believe, and he told some stories from behind the scenes of his work with Norm. So it was great to get the inside perspective. Um, if you want to check that out, that is available on our podcast feed and in our YouTube channel. Um, moving forward on to next week, next week, September 20th at 8 p.m. Eastern, we will be having the first time we're ever going to do anything like this. It's, you know, I'm excited to try this out. We're going to try a season 46 watch party. So we have our season of 47 coverage starting in a couple weeks. We thought it'd be a nice to, for one, one last time to go back in time, look at everything we love from last year. So we put out a poll. We had all the fans vote on their favorite sketches from season 46. And we're going to put that together and air that for you guys. That's not a podcast in the normal format that we do. That is literally showing you guys the sketches, your favorite moments from season 46. So in order to check that out, you have to head to our Twitch channel. You can check that out at twitch.tv slash SNL stats. And we will be live Monday, September 20th at 8 p.m. Eastern with the best of season 46 and i know we're gonna have some of our podcasters in the chat so you can chat along to them about the sketches that we get to see that evening um and then our snl coverage begins we'll be back in on the september 27th the following monday for our preseason coverage it's hard to believe we're getting close to that and i will announce the rest of our snl schedule coverage schedule uh on september 27th so uh, a lot to say to you guys a lot to take in as we headed towards the end of brooklyn 99 but i'm just so excited for everything that we are going to be doing in season 47 of snl once again thanks to bill roy and haynes for joining me my name is john schneider from snl stats for everybody i hope you loved the brooklyn 99 finale i know i did and i cannot wait to talk about the show for years to come with you guys have a good one everybody we'll see you next week let's get statistical so unpredictable here on snl stats